So as Dan said, we're day five into our fast. And I've talked to many people, and lots of people are doing different fasts. There's some people that are so hardcore they're just doing water. Praise you. That is amazing. There is the Daniel fast. There are people that are fasting social media and television, because who knows, that can be a big hold on you. There's people that are fasting all different things. But I've given up tea as part of mine, and I love a cup of tea. I think tea is better than coffee. Controversial. But I'm missing my tea, but I know it's worth it because I'm going to step into something more of God. Because whatever we're giving up in our fast, we're giving over these 21 days. And the point of it is to say, God, I'm going to get in your presence. I'm going to hear you for myself. I want to get in that secret place. And in my sacrifice of momentarily things that satisfy me, like a nice cup of tea or a Belgian bun, I'm going to push that aside for that momentarily satisfaction to say, I'm going to be so much more satisfied in your presence. That in fact, in this giving up and saying, God, I'm laying this stuff down, the stuff that matters to us. Maybe it is that TV show. Maybe it is scrolling through Facebook. Maybe it is having a bit of meat. Who's missing their meat on this fast? But in the giving up of that, we're going to get so much better in the presence of God. And my prayer is that in 2020, at the start of this year, it's the 12th of January, that as a church, we're going to see our relationship, our personal relationship between Jesus and you get stronger, get better, move to a deeper place and it does that when we fast when we give up the distractions you know when we focus on him and we say we're going to come into that place it's not about starving ourselves and saying I can't wait until the 29th when I can eat again but it's about saying I'm giving it up because I know you are the bread of life And that is the only place we'll be fully satisfied. And actually when we feed on God and we get in that secret place in prayer and communion and conversation with God, that gives you what you need to go out into your day. Because when we are weak, he is strong. And I want to encourage you to go deeper with God in 2020, to get in that secret place. And as I unpack this message today, I hope it will give you a few pointers of actually going a bit deeper this year. It's a significant time for us as a church. We've already prayed this morning about the new building that we're hoping for. There's a lot of stuff we're hoping for as Equippers Essex, but there's a lot of stuff that you're hoping for as an individual. And I want to encourage you in this time to pray with passion. You see, I love prayer, and there's something about praying with passion that gets results. I love it when we come to prayer meetings and you see people crying out to God with bold, outrageous, way out there prayers, rather than, oh God, if you if you could just do this, rather than saying, oh God, I'm believing for this and I'm stepping in faith and what I speak out, I'm going to see and walk into. That's praying with boldness. That's praying with passion. That's praying outrageous prayers. I want to encourage you in this time that as you come to God as a person and corporately together, you're going to believe for the more, that faith would come in on that wave and would arise, that we'd think bigger and make our minds expand more to the glory of God and the goodness that he has. It says in the word of God, you have not because you ask not and we need to come and ask in this time all the dreams the hopes the situations the things that seem impossible that only a God can come in and break through and make possible so I'm hoping to stir you up this morning so is anyone ready to be stirred up with passion this morning in this house come on I believe 2020 is going to be a year where we're going to see things happen 
We're going to see what we've believed for in 2018 and 2019. We're going to walk into it in 2020. We had that amazing word last week about God sharpening our vision, that he would take away the blurriness where we've been confused about how we should run with him. And he's going to take that away and give us clarity in running the race right. On Tuesday night, we had dynamic prayer. And one of the words that was given there was God is removing the cataracts from our eyes. And if you know in the natural, a cataract will cause you to go blind. But when God comes and removes that you see clarity I know people who've had that operation the natural and they're like wow is that what a tree looks like they can actually see so clearly and I believe that for you as an individual and for us as a church that we're going to see with that 2020 vision but at the beginning of the year as we come at this time of fasting and praying we need to ask God we need to seek God and we need to knock and I want to show you that through Luke 11 verses 9 to 10 And this is after Jesus is with the disciples and he's teaching them how to pray. And he teaches them how to do the Lord's Prayer, our Father art in heaven. He carries them into that place of this is how you pray. And then he says this to them. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So I want to go through those three points today of ask, seek, and knock. And it even spells ask, so we can't forget it, can we? You've got ask, seek, knock, ask, happy days. So what are you asking God for? What is on your prayer list? What is on your heart? Is it so big that it scares you? Because that's good. What are you giving up that lovely cup of Earl Grey with milk and one sugar? pushing to a side in order to pray for the salvation of that person in your family who think could never come to God? What are you giving up in this time where you say, I'm going to get in your presence, God, and I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask with faith and assurance that my God will answer my prayer? What are you asking? Because I want to encourage you, whatever it is, you've got to speak it out and you've got to ask him. You've got to get in that place with God, with you and him time, because prayer is your conversation with God. And, you know, if I meet up with a friend for coffee or a nice cup of tea, as I prefer, or hot chocolate, shouldn't go like this, I'm going to make you all very hungry, but hey, come on, we're pressing in. But if I meet up with them, it's a time when I talk to them and we talk about the good things that are going on in life. And then we'll talk about the things that have been hard. We'll talk about hopes and dreams. We'll talk about hurts or fears and worries. And yet we go away and we feel changed because we've shared that with someone. We've been in the presence of someone. And God is like that. He wants to draw us in so that we tell him everything that is going on in our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly, the hopes, the dreams, the fears. That we get in that place with him. He wants communion with us. He wants us to talk to him. And I want to encourage you, however you talk with God, go deeper this year. Go deeper and ask him, what are you believing for? What outrageous prayers have you got? I hope you've got some outrageous prayers. And if you haven't, go and get one. Because your God wants to hear your prayers. Because those who ask, it will be given to you. At the beginning of this year, I pray that you ask for that fresh vision. You know, it's so easy to go into a year and roll in from January and soon it'll be Easter in April. And then we're going into summer holiday mode. And then do you know what we start thinking about? Christmas. Because August the 1st, the Christmas chocolate comes out in Tesco's. And so you start getting on this roll of this is how it is. And actually, I really believe that God is saying, church, people, my people, stop, wait, ask me, how do I want to direct your life this year? Come into that place of asking before you move. 
coming to that place saying, okay, God, these are the plans I've got and this is what I think is how I should walk it out. These are the steps I think I need to take. But hold on, come into that place with God and say, what does it look like, God? Show me how you want my life to go in 2020. What do you want me to pick up and what do you want me to put down? Where should I go? What yes should I have and what no should I have? God, direct my steps in this year. And I believe as we all do that, individually and corporately, we're going to see something change and shift, as we've prayed about this morning. And this was the case with Esther in the Bible. Esther was a young woman who was a Jewish woman, and she ended up in the palace of the King Xerxes at the time. And there's a whole story there in Esther 4, and I encourage you to read it. It's a beautiful story. But she was plucked out of her um, neighborhood, her normal day-to-day, and she was put in the palace. And she went on this process of being a whole year of being treated and looked after, ready to be presented to the king so he would see her and have favor. There's all the women from all the land went into like a beauty pageant type thing, and she wanted favor with the king to be chosen. And she was chosen because God had placed her in that palace for such a time as this. And as the story unfolds, what happens is her uncle Mordecai gets word of a plot to kill all the Jewish people, to be a genocide. And he comes to her with great trouble in his heart and he says, Esther, you're in the palace. You're positioned in a place where you are the, the, hus- the wife of the king and you have a position there. We need your help because these people are going to perish and you are a Jew and you will perish. You know, imagine the weight of that on you, that one person. And she had a choice to make. You see, it was a protocol then that the king would call you to his throne room. That the only way you could commune with the king and have relationship with the king is if he called you. And it had been 30 days and he had not called her to the throne room. Aren't you glad, church, that Jesus made a way that any time we can come into the throne room? That we don't have to wait for a certain date of the year to spend time with God. But every day, every moment of every day and every week and every year, we can come into the presence of God because Jesus made that way he tore the veil and we come right in and yet sometimes we don't choose to come in because there's something more attractive and yet I want to encourage you today that is the place you will be satisfied in the presence of God and it's our choice to come right in but in Esther's time she would have to wait for the king to call her or if she was going to go into the king's chamber she would have to wait for the scepter to be raised to say it's okay you can come in If the scepter was not raised, perhaps he was having a bad day, he didn't want to see his wife, she would be killed. That's how serious it was. And so at this time, Mordecai has come and he's in mourning and he's like, the Jewish people are going to be killed. There's this plan. It's secure. It's going to happen. And this is what Esther replies when she hears the word sent from Mordecai. It's in Esther 4 verses 15 to 16. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go. Gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And the bit I want to pick up on in this is, first of all, her reaction is, do you know what, before I do anything, before I go to the king, before I even think about what to do, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast and pray and you do the same. You get the Jewish people in every village to fast and pray. I and my attendants, we will fast and pray. We will come before God before we move. And I really felt a word for us, the Quippers Essex. Ask God first before we move. Ask God first before we move in our corporate life and individually. We've got to ask him. We've got to know exactly what he's calling us to. Otherwise, would you know what? We get caught up. 
But when we are specific and when we are intentional about spending time with God, he will reveal it to us. When you fast, when you pray, when you get in that secret place, God is going to speak to you. And I know he's going to speak to you afresh. And I encourage you to write it down. I encourage you to get it in here of what he says, because it's going to be very important for how 2020 pans out. And so she did this and they fasted and prayed. And many of you may know the story, but she went to the king's chamber. Imagine that moment, certain death if he didn't put the scepter up. But the scepter was raised and she walked straight in. And the end of the story is that she saved all the Jewish people. And the plans that were put in place by Haman to kill all the Jews, he was hung on the same gallows that were prepared for the Jewish people and to obliterate that race. So God came and stepped in. We need to pray in faith, expecting results. Imagine what she prayed for those three days. God, have your favor as I go to face the king. God, be with me. God, let your will be done. God, save your people. She prayed with faith. She would have prayed with passion, with persistence. And we need to ask, church, with passion, with persistence to God. You know, we had a similar situation in our lives when we were going to move house. So we got married back in 1999, back in the day. Going to party like it's 1999. Remember that song? Kenny will. Anyway, so we we got married and we lived in our first house for seven years and it was our house. It was lovely. I loved our first house. It was two up, two down and we put a little conservatory on the back and it was our little dream home for when we first got married. We came to that point where we thought we wanted something a bit bigger. I'd accumulated a lot of shoes by then so we needed some more wardrobe space. So we started to look and it was the right time for us to move house in uh, 2007. So we started to look on rightmove.com. But before we did that, we prayed about it and we asked God and we said, you know, we'd really like to move house and, and this is what we'd like. And we really felt God said to us, be specific in your request. So we made a list of all the things we'd like in our house, even the outrageous things, ensuite bathroom. We were really excited about an ensuite bathroom. We wanted space so we could have people round for dinners. We wanted a lounge big enough to hold meetings. You know, we had this vision for our house and we we're really excited. So we started looking on right move like you do. And we saw this house and, oh man, it ticked all the boxes. We looked, the pictures, oh, it looked brilliant. So we were really excited. So we made an appointment to go and view the house. So it was one evening, we went off to view this house. And you know when you get to the door, you can't be too excited because you've got to show your poker face, haven't you? Because if you really like it and you then want to put an offer in, you can't be like, ah, this is amazing. So you've got to be like, hmm. So you look around, peruse the rooms. But we got into this house and the lounge had been one of the selling points for us on the Right Move um, site. So we got in, looked around Oh, man, they'd used one of those wide-lens angled cameras. It looked nothing like the pictures. It really didn't. And the lounge was so narrow that you could stand and I could put my arms out each side and I'd be touching the walls. And that wasn't what we dreamed of. We went round and the ensuite bathroom was there, but it was that sort of, like, khaki-greeny colour. You know, that's funny. It was fashionable back in the 70s type colour bathroom. And it just didn't have the space and it was disappointing. And then you try not to show to the people who are eagerly like, do you like it? Like, <laughs> so, so we came out of there and we're like, thanks very much. You know, we'll be in touch. Shut the door. And there was that, mm. that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And then we remembered earlier that day, the estate agent had phoned us and said, look, there's a house that's just come on the market, but it's not on right move yet. And it's literally a stone's throw from the house you're viewing. Do you want to go and view it? So we're like, oh, well, we might as well. We're in that area. We lived the other side of town at the time. So we said, OK. So Dan said to me, come on, we'll look at that house around the corner. So I was a bit like, OK. Walked off to look at this house and we walked in, walked in the door. And there was that moment because this was the dream house. You see, the lounge was so much bigger 
than the first house we looked at. That there was a brilliant ensuite. It was white and it was clean. It was brilliant. I didn't check the toilet. Um, we walked around, there was enough space, the garden was lovely, and we got really excited. And then the long story short is we purchased that house, and we got it at a good deal, and we were so excited about it. And I just want to show you that God answered our prayers even greater than we could ask, think, or imagine. Because the thing is, back then, those years, we had no plans to have children at that stage. We were getting on with our careers and our business and, and life and church and stuff. But you know what? We're in one of the best catchments for the schools in Colchester. And our children go to a brilliant Um, junior school and they're in the catchment for a brilliant senior school and God positioned that you see he saw the end from the beginning and it's a house that has been amazing we've used it for many meetings and for prayer and different things we can entertain people in our house and God saw that but at first disappointment set in because we prayed and it wasn't what we thought and I want to encourage you when you pray don't pray already with the answer But you pray to God with faith because he will always do something better and greater than you could ask, think or imagine because that's who he is. And I want to encourage you, whatever doors you're pushing, whatever things you're believing for in family, in ministry, in work, in finance, in business, push and ask God because he will answer greater than you could ask or imagine. And I thank God every day for our house. I do because it's just perfect. And now we've got two kids in it and it's still perfect. And I praise God for that. So I want to encourage you in that. The second part of Luke 11 verses 9 to 10 says, seek, seek and you will find. I want to talk to you about seeking God today. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I love that. If my people will humble themselves, will pray and will seek my face. It's not about seeking his hand, but it's about seeking his face to get lost in his presence. Because firstly, we need to be in the presence of God. We need to seek him. Do you know, without God, I am nothing. Without Jesus, I am nothing. You know, he is amazing. He has saved me. He has set me free. He's given me this life. But without God, I am nothing. And I cannot do it on my own because he is my everything. And so when I seek him and I get in his presence and I get on my knees and say, God, you know what? This life is about you, not about me. Use me. Change me. Move me forward. It's powerful, church. And I want to encourage us in the time of fasting and praying that we would seek his face. Seek his face for our lives. Do you know, in that moment when it's just you and God, when you're just in communication with him, however that looks for you, do you know, that's the place the best worship songs will ever be written, between you and God. That's where you'll hear the most powerful prayers, just you and him. That's where you can have that real conversation because you can lay it all out at him. All the rubbish, all the stuff, all the issues, but all the hopes and the dreams. You can lay out at his feet when it's you and him. And there's stuff that happens in that secret place between me and God that not even my husband knows about. Because it's between me and my Jesus. And I want to encourage you in that place. Get there. There's nothing like it. Seek him in that place. And I want to ask you if you'd be prepared to pray a really bold prayer of going into this fast. And this prayer is found in in Psalm 139. 
And the Psalms, the majority of them, I believe, are written by David. And it's really his communication with God. You hear a lot of David's hopes and dreams and a lot of his, like, oh, this is going on in my life. It's like his conversation with God through Psalms. And in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense, offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. What I want to look at is four points in these verses. And the first one is, search my heart. Then test me and my anxious thoughts. Uncover my sins. Is there any offensive way in me and lead me? And the first one is, search my heart. Do you know, as people, we look at the outward appearance of each other. That's what we see. But God looks in the heart. God sees what's going on. He sees the area of our heart where we've got a bit, bit like bitter, perhaps. We've got a bit tough and our heart isn't as soft as it used to be. Or life has happened and it's created this like hardness around our heart. But God sees in that. He sees right into our soul. He sees our priorities. He sees the things we struggle with and the things that we we find hard in life. He sees it all when he looks into our heart. I want to encourage you. It's a bold prayer to pray. But when, when you pray, God, search my heart. I want to say, give it all to him in that place. Search it, because we've all got stuff, haven't we? And I'm talking to myself here, I'm preaching to myself here. God, search my heart. The stuff that's going on, the stuff towards people that's not been good. The stuff I've dealt with where it's created this like layer of protection over my heart. And yet, God, you say, I want to come and do heart surgery today. I want to come and change your heart to soften it. So that your heart would beat stronger with such a passion for my name. That you'll move forward. That you would just come and do a work in me today. Show me, Lord, where I've been lying to myself, where my heart's got a bit like, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's just me. But when God says, no, I want to change your heart, change my heart, oh, Lord. Search my heart. Let me be more passionate by you. Chip away at the stuff that's not good for me and let me come out with that pure heart for you, Lord God. Change my heart. Where I've compromised. Perhaps we've compromised on some stuff. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Life's a hard old thing. It's not easy. But maybe there's stuff we've compromised that we know hasn't lined up with the word of God. But we've just done it because, oh, well, that's just life. But show me where I've compromised. And there's a beautiful picture that as we fast and we pray, that when we come into his presence, we come on bended knee. We come and say, God, you are holy. Cleanse me. God, you are sovereign. Show me where things aren't right. And lead me into a place of strength. Test me and my anxious thoughts. You know, we've all got fears. We've all got stuff that we worry about. If we don't worry about something, I think we'd be lying this morning. But there's stuff there. But God says, when you come into my presence, when you give it over to me, child, I'll help you with your fears. Surrender your fears to God this year. Surrender your anxiety and your thoughts and your worries and the what ifs. We do that, don't we? What about this? What about this? What about when it happens in April? What about this in June? What about next December? What about next year? What does this look like? Anxious thoughts. Let's give them over to God. You know, have you ever thought about the thing you fear most is probably the area you trust God least? And yet he wants to say, I died so that you would have life and life to the full. I gave it all. I surrendered myself up so you could live freely. And yet we hold on to anxiety. But I want to pray this be a year 2020 where we let go of anxiety and anxious thoughts. And we trust in him. I don't care what it looks like. I'm diving in. I'm trusting you, God. I'm moving forward. Can I encourage you this morning? He is God Almighty and he holds you in his hand. He has you. So give him your heart. 
and then give him your fears. Lay it all down. Have that conversation like maybe only you can with your spouse or your, your best friend. You give it all out, all the good, the bad and the ugly, and then you feel better. Give it to God. He will take your fear away and lead you in peace and strength going forward. See if there is any offensive way in me. Uncover my sins. Where have I offended you, God? Where have I fallen short? Where have I said, oh, it's okay. It's not hurting anyone. No one else knows about it, but it's hurting me. Let it go. Give it to God, whatever. He'll help you. You know, I have so much testimony in my life of people around me where they have given God something that has been so addictive. And when they've given it to God, he has set them free from it. And whatever that is, even wrong thinking, it's so addictive to keep thinking wrong all the time. And yet God can transform your mind. He can transform you. So give it to him. Give it over to him. Surrender it and turn around from it. And then fourthly, lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Oh God, 2020, I want you to lead me. Where do you want me to go, God? Take off the distractions. Take off the to-do list. Take off what I think's best for me. And God, lead me. When I ask you to show me where do you want me to go in 2020? Equippers Essex, where do you want us to go in 2020, God? Lead us with vision, with strength, so we know where we're going to hit this year. Let's lead us, God. Following Jesus is the best thing we could ever do. And I want to encourage you. So my question is, can you give him your heart all over again today? Can you say, God, do that heart surgery? You know, you wouldn't trust anybody to do heart surgery. You wouldn't knock on your next door neighbour and say, I've got something going on in my heart. Any chance, kitchen table, get a couple of knives out. No, you'd go to the top specialist. You'd want to go to somebody, a man or a woman who is top in their field. You'd trust them with your heart. And yet God is the creator of all. And we can trust him with our heart. Because he's got such goodness for us, church. He wants to lead us to that place. He wants to chip away all the stuff that's on us. So that we go out and run free. That chains come off. And we live 2020 in an outrageous style for him. So keep asking, church. Keep seeking after God. And keep knocking. So Luke 9, 11, verses 9 to 10. It says, knock. And the door will be opened for you. So there's something about a persistent knock. Now, I tried this at home on a bit of wood. So I'm going to do, oh, good. We've got a good knock on here. So there's something about a persistent knock, isn't there? When you keep hearing that, it's something about you want to answer the door because it's annoying because there's a knocking keep going on and it's quite loud. I'm trying to speak. But there's something about a persistent knock. And just to tell you a story um, that we laugh about a lot in my family, but this really did happen. I'm telling you the truth when I speak this story. So when I was growing up, my dad pastored a church and the church was in a brilliant location because it was in our back garden of our house. So we had our house at the front on a main road, a long garden, and the church was at the bottom of the garden. And so we could never be late for church, never had that excuse, got stuck in traffic. I mean, you just have to walk down the garden. And in fact, once when my dad was pastoring, he'd walk down the garden in his slippers to preach that day. So it was quite amusing to us. Well, dad still got his slippers on. So my mum ran back home and got him a pair of shoes. But it was in our garden, so we had a lot of people come to our house all the time to come and see my parents. And one day, I got to the age of the oldest of three siblings. My sister's three years younger than me, and my brother's five years younger. And my mum and dad said, right, Sarah Jane, called me into that parent-child meeting. We trust you now to be old enough to look after your brother and sister. We're going to pop out for a little while, but our rules are, don't answer the door to anybody. You're in charge. So you know you have that moment as the oldest one, like, I am in charge now got to make this work. Don't mess this up. You'll never be allowed in charge again. I was like, okay. So they went off. They weren't going to be very long. So we're at home and suddenly there was a knock on the door. 
So I went into adult mode, probably, I was probably about 13 at the time, and I was like, don't answer the door to my brother and sister. So we're peering out the window. They kept knocking, you see. Don't answer the door. So sat there. So we looked out the window, and it was a man that came to our church, an elderly man. His name was Bob, and Bob was from Suffolk. And it's very important I tell you that Bob was from Suffolk because you're going to see what's going to happen next. 2020, new vision, new accents. Bob was from Suffolk. And he kept knocking at the door. We're like, well, we know Bob. I mean, he's lovely. But mum and dad said, don't open the door to anyone. And I'm standing on this. So I looked at my brother and sister and gave them that look. You do as I say. We're not answering the door. But Bob kept knock knocking. And then this is what really happened. Bob said, hello, it be Bob. Is anyone home? Hello, it be Bob. Is anyone home? So I'm looking at my brother and sister thinking, we can't open the door. So my sister, she went... No, we're all out. Come back later. To which, and I swear before my Jesus, Bob said, all right then, I'll come back later. <laughs> it went off. It be Bob. Well, we rolled up in hysterics. So when my mum and dad got back, they're like, how was it? Did anyone come? Did you open the door? We're like, it be Bob came, mum. He wouldn't go away. But that genuinely happened. But it was so persistent, I wanted to open it, but I thought, I can't open the door. But there's something about a persistent knock. And when we're asking and we're seeking God and we're praying, I want to say be persistent. Keep knocking at the door. Because what did the passage say to you? Because knock and the door will be open for you. So I don't know what you're knocking on today. I don't know what you're believing God for today. But I want to say be persistent with it. Keep knocking. You might not have seen it yet, but you will see it. When you keep knocking and trusting him, let your faith arise to keep knocking God will answer you and this happened for the disciples there's a passage of scripture that we're going to look at today and this is when in acts and so peter is like the head of the church he's running with the church the church is on fire i mean you read acts it's like wow come on they are a church on fire and stuff is happening but then disappointment sets in because one of their leaders had been killed by herod he'd taken james and he killed him by the sword he'd been killed imagine that your leader's gone your church it affects you. And not only that happens, they're mourning the loss of James. But then Peter gets put into prison. And Peter is in prison and they chain him up and they put 16 guards around him. So how many prisons do we know in the UK today that when they put a prisoner in the cell, they stand 16 soldiers around him to guard him? It doesn't happen. I mean, I mean, Herod was worried about this man of God, I think, because he'd killed one of them, be imprisoned the other one. And he wanted to put him on trial and he wanted to kill him as well. And so he was in prison, but this is what the church did. I want to show you in Acts 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You see, the church had gathered. They were in a house and they were having church and they were earnestly praying. You see, when you look up the word earnest, it means that you're praying with zealous prayers. You're praying with passion. You're seeking. You're knocking on the door. You're saying, God, Peter's in prison. You see, we don't want it to happen. What's happened to James? You know, he's one of our leaders. God, we're going to knock on your door. And they were earnestly praying. They were in church and they were praying. Oh, there's something about a praying church. There's something about a praying church. I want to encourage you. You're part of this church. You want to be a praying person in this church. I want to say to you, we need to pray, church. We need to be on our knees before our God. And we need to pray to push through some stuff, to knock so that God is going to answer our prayers. There's something about a praying church. And you know, Dan and I get the privilege of leading dynamic prayer every Tuesday at 8 o'clock. That's not a plug, but it is a plug. Because I want to tell you. 
that there's something about prayer. And this past Tuesday, the people were there. I mean, you put your hand up, you're there on Tuesday for me if you're here today. Brilliant. Wasn't it amazing? What did God do? It was amazing. At the end of it, we could hardly speak because God showed up. We were praying amazing, bold prayers. God gave us a word. And do you know what the word was, church? Awaken. Wake up, church. Wake up. Awaken. Awaken. And I want to encourage you in that. There was such a moment. We listened to music. We heard the shofar playing. It was amazing. There was eight people. But I tell you what, heaven came down because we were praying church. And I want to encourage you in your own walk and in your corporate walk, be a praying person in a praying church because it shifts stuff. And these people were gathered in church and they were praying earnestly. They weren't giving up. They were probably pacing up and down. There was probably a bit of passion going on there. They were earnestly, zealously praying, God, spare Peter. God, save Peter. God, build the church. God, help us. They were praying. A praying church gets results. You see, Herod's intentions were bad towards Peter and the church. But God's intentions always supersede man's intentions. And where you've been knocking for so long and you haven't got a yes and you keep knocking and you keep knocking and the door hasn't opened and you haven't yet seen that salvation. Can I say to you, keep knocking, keep knocking because the door opened because we serve a miracle working God. I want to stir your faith up this morning, church. Keep knocking, keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking. Because opposition comes and opposition is proof that your prayers are working because who knows we started a fast on Wednesday but we got anointed last Sunday and I've spoken to many people this week and opposition has come this week we got anointed we got set out for 2020 and there's been stuff happen there's been people that have been injured there's been illness there's been falls there's been false accusations there's been stuff that people are dealing with where it's like well last Sunday that didn't happen I've come into a fast and opposition has happened but keep praying because you're going to see a breakthrough keep Keep pushing through. That opposition will come because the enemy knows that there's going to be a breakthrough. And who knows that the enemy doesn't want to see you succeed. He doesn't want to see God glorified. But we want to see God glorified. And God will be glorified in our lives. He will use every opportunity to use the stuff that we are going through. The hard stuff. The impossible stuff. So that when people look in and they say, wow, that situation is bad. When my God steps in, then they say, wow, your situation's turned around. It must only be because of a living God. And it gives him the glory. So can I encourage you that when opposition comes, keep praying a bit more. Keep pushing a bit more. Keep asking, seeking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking because the door will be opened. And so back to Acts with Peter. See, something happened when the church were praying. There they were praying. And this is what happened in Acts 12, verses 6 to 10. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. This is Peter. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance suddenly it's a suddenly church suddenly an angel of the lord appeared and a light shone in the cell he struck peter on the side and woke him up quick get up quick awaken quick get up he said and the chains fell off peter's wrists then the angel said to him put on your clothes and sandals and peter did so wrap your cloak around you and follow me The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gates leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. 
That is so miraculous, isn't it? 16 guards around him, soldiers around him. But God shows up with an angel. He shows up and what does he say? First thing he says, wake up, Peter. Peter, head of the church, wake up. Wake up, Peter. Wake up. Get up. And then when he gets up, do you notice the chains fall off? You know, we had a word last week. When we get up, the chains will fall off. We had a word that, that vo- church are getting your voice back. That's you, when you get up, when you speak up, when you stand up, your chains are going to fall off. So I want to encourage you today, awaken, chains fall off. And then the gates, the doors that were locked, opened before them. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? They're probably huge, great big wrought iron gates and they stood there and they just opened. And the guards didn't even notice them. I mean, how God is so amazing. How our God did that. And as we've sung and we've said this morning, you see, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. So that's the same God. That's the same power at work there. What's your outrageous prayer? That church were there. God, free Peter. God, free Peter, knocking on the door. Free him. And look what happened. And then Peter decides to do something amazing. He's had the miracle. At first he's like, is this even happening? Then the angel disappears. And what does he do? He's had his breakthrough. So where does he go? Oh, he goes to church. (laughs) He goes to church. You see, because in church he's going to go there and he's going to say, God came through. I've had my miracle. Here's my testimony. This is what my God does. I want to encourage you. We had February fast last year. And in um, March, April, May, June, July, do you know what I got to hear? The testimonies of you guys. That God did it. That he turned it around. You know, my uncle for 35 years, my dad, our family have been praying for my uncle's salvation. And in June last year he gave his life to Jesus 35 years come on keep knocking but in Acts 12 verses 13 to 16 Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door when she recognized Peter's voice she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed Peter's at the door so there's Peter the miracle the answer to their prayers he's knocking at the door so she's like He's like, hello, it be Peter. He he probably had a Suffolk accent, fisherman, I don't know. But there he was, it be Peter. But what she did was, she just left, ah, ah, I've got to go and tell the others. So there he is, still at the door. I mean, this is just escaped from prison. He needs to sort of get in in the church. Um, So then this is what happens. So you're out of your mind, they told her. She went back to church and said, the miracle's here. I mean, it's at the door. Peter's here. He's knocking on the door. You're out of your mind. When she kept insisting that it was, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. You see, it was easier for them to believe that Peter had died and that they were seeing his ghost come to the door than it was that actually God had answered their miraculous prayers and he'd escaped prison. But I want to say, church, Equippers Essex, what prayers are we going to see answered that's going to astonish us? Where are we going to be astonished and go, wow? Because I want to say, come on, we've got to get our faith up. If Jermaine could come for me, please. Come on, we've got to get our faith up. We've got to be ready to be astonished. I mean, astonished is like, wow. It's like, come on, God did that. But are we going to be astonished when we stand in our new building saying, my God did this? Are we going to be astonished when we see that family member who we say, do you know what? My mum will never give her life to Jesus because she's so far from God. And when we see her in church praising our Jesus, come on, there's got to be some astonishment. There's got to be some faith from astonishment in our lives today. They could hardly take it in. What are we going to hardly take in when God answers it? Come on, what's on your heart today to pray for? What is the biggies? There's some big prayers. 
I know there is, and I want to encourage you. Part of testimony is saying to God, do it again, do it again. It's one of the phases our youngest daughter, Jessica, always says, if you're having fun and you're playing a game with her or you're tickling her or doing something, she always goes, oh, do it again, oh, do it again. I want to say, God, do it again. You see, last year, I heard about people whose houses sold within the week when they fasted and they prayed. I heard about people who'd got their relatives to come to church. I heard about healings. I heard about jobs that were given. I heard about financial breakthrough. So I want to say, God, do it again. Do it again. And I want to say it to you. Come on, do it again. Come on. Let's do it again, God. Come on. Are we ready to seek his face? Are we ready to get in that place, church, of saying, come on, God, use me and my life to glorify you. Do it again, God. If I can ask you to stand, I want us to pray. But I want to do a, bit, a little bit different today. I really feel that as I was preparing this message, you see, as you're preparing, you're preaching that, you see how it's going to go. And I just had this picture of how it would go at the end. Is a church getting vocal? A church who's got a voice back. And a church who's prepared to say, I don't care what it looks like, but you know what? I'm going to cry out to God for my ask during this fast. You see, we're five days in. What can God do on day five? We had that preach from Matt. What could God do on that fourth day? But what could God do today? Day five, what can he do? And so I want to encourage you that we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray and say some things out, but I want you to pray and open your voice. I want you to open your mouth. Imagine this is your one opportunity that you have come like Esther before the king and the scepter is raised and the king says to you, what are you asking for? What are you going to say? Because that's not the moment to fumble over your words and be quiet and stay still, but it's the moment to say, I let my people go. You see, I want the Jews to be set free. And so I want to say today that as we start to pray, will you be prepared to say what's on your heart? It doesn't matter who hears you. It doesn't matter if your words aren't put together right. But what matters is that God is going to hear what's on your heart today. And as we pray, let's see what our God does. So you're willing, church? Come on. So Father God, I want to thank you, Lord God, that in this time we are pushing through, Father, and we're going to ask and we're going to seek and we're going to knock on your door as we pray together as a church. We're pushing through something, Father, that we're going to ask now, Lord God, that as we pray, Father, we're asking that our prayers would reach the throne rooms of heaven and you would pour out the answers over us, Lord God. So I want to pray for salvation in this house. I want to pray, Father, for every family and friend that we have who doesn't yet know you, Jesus, they would come into relationship with you in 2020. We want to declare this to be a house of salvation, that we will see salvation in this house. We will see salvation in its fullness. We want to see healings in this house. Where there are those that are sick, we want to believe for healing and health and wholeness, that you died so that we might live. I want to pray against disease and I want to pray against healing coming into this house. There'll be testimonies of healed bodies, healed minds, healed relationships. I want to declare you, Father, that we pray out, Lord God, for breakthrough in job situations. We cry out for those opportunities that no man can shut the door that God opens. And I want to declare that for jobs, Father. I want to declare for our students that you would help them study. There'll be good grades at the end of this term, Lord God, that you would push through, Father. I want to believe, Lord God, for our building as a church, that we stand in faith for the building that you have, Lord God. Jesus, that this town will be reached, Lord God. Pray out, church, whatever's on your heart. Pray out to your God. What are you asking for? Ask for financial breakthrough through, Lord God. I ask for business opportunities, Father. I ask that we bring our young people up to be so passionate and fiery about you, Jesus. Let's ask him, church, together. Let's ask him. He is our God.
Ask, oh, just keep knocking. Come on.